Thank you, Andrew and Ishii. That was wonderful. It just amazes me how everything ties in some mornings from the break of bread service to our fellowship time to the songs that are sung to the testimonies that are given. And I just want to uh, give glory uh, to God for that. I also want to take my own opportunity this morning to wish all the moms happy Mother's Day. And uh, I would pray that uh, may God bless you and give you all the strength that you need to accomplish your duties and your responsibilities. I'm sure that you've all uh, been asked at some point in your lives, what do you want to be with when you grow up? What, what's God put on your heart as you think of a career or a vocation? What are your plans for the future? I know that's a question I often got and thought about. Growing up Italian, lots of emphasis was put on working hard so you could enjoy a good and satisfying lifestyle. For myself, I started working young because I wanted to buy myself stuff. My dad couldn't afford to spend much on our extracurricular activities, and so I started delivering local newspapers at the age of 11. And then I soon graduated to delivering the Montreal Star. Does anybody remember the Montreal Star? It used to be a, uh, yes, a few of the uh, my generation people. Uh, it was a, a second English uh, language newspaper that was delivered in the afternoon, and that suited me fine. I wasn't a morning person. I didn't want to deliver the Gazette. Uh, I would later have a, uh, uh, a job as a front line, as a line worker at Woolworths Cafeteria. You anybody remember those uh, in Point Claire and <laughs> in Laval? And uh, I did all kinds of jobs in, in that place, and I, I really enjoyed that experience. From there, I had other jobs. Some I enjoyed, and others not so much. One thing I know that as I uh, just turned sixty. It takes a lot of fight and resilience to make to work a lifetime towards making ends meet. And it's also tough when you're a student and you're just working towards making a career for yourself. There's a story of an Italian mother and her son Giovanni. Now, I, I like to tell Italian mother joke for some reason on Mother's Day. But uh, one day uh, Giovanni gets up to go to school and, and he's tired and he's frustrated. And he says, Mom, I decide I'm not going to school anymore. And the mother says, Giovanni, what do you mean you're not going to school anymore? He says, you heard me, Ma. I'm staying home with you. I'm fed up. Okay, if you want to stay home, give me two reasons why you want to quit. And Johnny says, okay, okay, fine. The teachers don't like me. None of the teachers like me. None of the kids like me. And the mother said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Giovanni. I know it's hard, but you have to keep trying. And Giovanni says, okay, Ma, if you want me to go back to school, why don't you give me two reasons why I should go? And she says, oh, come on, Giovanni, don't make me talk, please, please. No, Ma, please, give me two reasons. He says, she says, okay, number one, you're 52 years old. And number two, you're the principal. Now, please, go back and don't make me cry, huh? As humorous as that can be, I'm sure we've all had our Giovanni moments where you just felt like, like giving up. More seriously, that can happen even with our faith during times when we're having challenges. The title of my message today is A Faith That Endures, anchored in the last chapter 
of 1 Corinthians, uh, which is uh, 16, and it's verses 13 and 14, and it reads like this. Be watchful, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong. Let all you do be done in love. Those verses kind of culminate the overarching message that Paul was trying to communicate to the entire letter to the church in Corinth. He wrote, uh, he wrote this letter to the Corinthians because of the concerns he had heard, mainly that there were divisions that were rising because of arrogance and pride of the more powerful members. Also, those Christians were maintaining some of the hedonistic practices of the Romans, which were not in line with the gospel. Paul basically says, you can't have the best of both worlds. You can't have your cake and eat it too. He implores them to work out their disagreements and strive together for the sake of the gospel, wanting them to be characterized by love and not selfish ambition. He urges them, be imitators of himself and those who have been sent to them and relinquish those old habits which are hindering your spiritual growth. Truth be told, we still face these similar challenges in the church today. We can have power struggles and infighting caused by pride and other issues. The Western church is also often criticizing for having a type of faith in God as one who has an abundant plan for your life and that will minimize our suffering. Jesus is marketed as a solution to everything from weight loss to success in business to having a happy marriage. The sales pitch is that receiving Christ will bring you the greatest happiness in this life. How could we have strayed so far from the biblical picture of Christian life, which is often referred to as a fight, a war, or a competitive race? I remember when I ran Alpha uh, recently, I raised an objection with the local rep about the recent series. Now, don't get me wrong. I really love the Alpha program. I've run it many times, and great things have happened in that uh, program. But in this recent series, every second video had a testimony of either someone who overcame an addiction or had been incarcerated. And eventually, what would happen is they would find Jesus, and once they found Jesus, they would find a wife, and once they found a wife, they would have kids, and once they had kids, they would live happily ever after. And that's not very realistic, and it's very dangerous to think that faith will bring us all the desires of our hearts. It's not biblical, and it could set you up for a major disappointment. It may be even tempting for someone to backslide in their faith if they don't get what they want out of life. To avoid this trap, it is important for us to trust in God's purposes and his sovereignty towards developing a faith that endures. I would like to offer three suggestions to you this morning, rooted in scripture, the anchor uh, scripture that I chose, uh, that might be helpful. Number one, a faith that endures is prepared for adversity. Number two, a faith that endures is produced through suffering. And number three, a faith that endures is perfected in love. So how do we prepare for times of adversity? If you are a military person, a policeman, or anyone who works in risk management, 
you would be trained to act in case something goes wrong. You develop a plan and you quickly execute that plan so you don't have to think at that moment. That planning makes a huge difference, huge difference in avoiding catastrophic consequences. Think of what it would be like if first responders were not trained to act quickly in a situation where there was a loose sniper uh, on the loose, for example. And I use that example because it seems like every second day there is something going on uh, where, where, people, where there's a loose sniper and people are being uh, shot in schools and, and all kinds of places. And what strikes me and amazes me is how fast the cops usually get on the scene, usually minutes, and they're able to avoid much worse casualties. For us, however, we pretty much go through life with an unstructured plan for managing risk. We don't spend our time thinking about everything that could go wrong and develop a strategy for it. I know for myself, I usually develop them because of a bad experience. So for example, it happened to me one time when I was driving on the highway and I had no more windshield washer. I'm sure this has happened to many of you, right? You've had that experience. And I was on the highway 40 and I, my vision was completely obstructed. I could not see one single thing and it was winter and I'm scrambling to try to take a little bit of whatever I could and stick my head. I literally stuck my head out the window. That's how desperate I got. And after that situation, I said, you know, I'll never get myself involved. I'll never, that's never gonna happen to me again. I'm gonna make sure I always have a spare. And when I take my spare and I, and I uh, put it in the tank, I always make sure there's a little bit left so that, you know, in case uh, I'll know how much, uh, I'll have a little bit of a buffer there. Another time I was stuck on the side of a road and I felt vulnerable with all the cars passing by. And I said, I gotta have a plan for this. This is, this is too dangerous. So now when it comes to my, my car, I always make sure I have an emergency toolkit, okay? A toolkit consists of anything like boosting cables, flares, windshield washer, a blanket, a flashlight, tools, etc. And recently, I bought another nice new gadget I have here. And this thing works as a flashlight. I don't know if you can see my flashlight, but also works as a flare. And I could do this. You see that light flashing there? And, and then if I put it on a magnetic, if I put it on the roof of my car, it'll stick. And so it, I don't have to get out of the car and, uh, and worry about lighting a flare behind, which is much more dangerous. You can get this at Canadian Tire if you're interested. Uh, you see, I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I guess uh, I don't want to use the word, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to this stuff. My wife, not so much. She's not as high maintenance as me. As long as she has just a little bit of gas and a tiny little bit of windshield washer fluid, she's happy. She's very low maintenance, my wife. So however important it is to be organized in, in adverse driving scenarios, it is much more important to be pre prepared for adverse spiritual situations. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul uses the example of a soldier to describe the type of mindset that, we should, char that should characterize a Christ follower. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, 
And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. By using this analogy, Paul is instructing Timothy to embrace a dutiful attitude like that of a soldier to fulfill his ministry calling. And what, is involved, what does it involve to be a soldier? A soldier has to be ready for conflict. A soldier has to be willing to endure suffering in order to fulfill the duty that he signed up for. And the duty we signed up for is to please God, is to glorify God. One of the major areas of conflict in Corinth involved relationships, relationships in the church particularly. As I mentioned before, there were struggles going on because of pride and maintaining a lot of the uh, pagan traditions like food sacrifice to idols. This was causing division among the believers that was affecting how the outside world viewed them. Along with other matters like speaking in tongues, which was causing uh, lots of disorder in the church, he urges them to sacrifice their own interests for the sake of others so that there could be peace in the church and a good testimony. We face similar challenges today in our churches. As long as sin is in the world, there will be conflict to deal with. A lot of what happens in the workplace today creates an enormous source of stress for many families and individuals. I think this has really become the crisis of our time. It is by far the largest thing that people are, are, are struggling with in our church. And it could be discouraging to the point where our faith gets tested. Situations like this require us to be prepared for adversity and put in place or think about strategies that will sustain us. That's why it's important to know our scriptures to help us build our defense system. And we know that the sword of the spirit that is described in Ephesians 6 is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon. There are many, teaching, many teachings that give us practical advice on handling relationships. For example, there are plenty in Matthew 5 to 7, right? The Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's something we need to really uh, uh, grasp and understand for ourselves, especially when it comes to, to relationships. For example, it says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone forces you to go to one mile, go with him two miles. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute. In chapter 4, verse 13 of this letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. Now, Bill McRae would caution uh, would caution us with when we say these things or when when we preach these things, he would say something like, it's easy as that, and it's as complicated as that. Why? Because we're all human, and we're all sensitive to some degree or other and easily fall into this trap. To get this right as the people of God, it might help to picture what happens during all these protests that we've been having recently how do the peacekeepers act in those situations? They get stuff thrown at them, uh, having mean things said to them, 
getting injured or trampled, yet they endure suffering for the sake of restoring peace and order. We too are called to be peacemakers and must endure the suffering for the greater good, since we are, after all, ambassadors of reconciliation. Which leads to my next point, a faith that endures is produced through suffering. Last week we heard uh, Azmik who preached an excellent message on the importance of character. He referenced the verses in Romans 5, 3 to 4, which says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. When you look at that order, it tells you that suffering is the first thing on the totem pole that eventually leads to a lasting hope. And what is that hope? We see that written in verse 5, just after verse, the verses 3 and 4. Paul says, hope is something that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our suffering is not in vain. It's not suffering for the sake of suffering. We receive hope through the fact that once we are on the other side of suffering, we know that we are loved by God and we know we will be kept by him till the end and, and will be even more convinced of his eternal promises. One excellent example of a personal endured suffer, suffering is Anne Reeves Jarvis. She was a social activist and a community organizer during the American Civil War era. She is recognized as a mother who inspired Mother's Day. After her death in 1905, her daughter Anne Jarvis lobbied the U.S. government to institute a Mother's Day celebration to honor women such as her mother who did so much for the betterment of society. By 1911, all U.S. states celebrated the second Sunday of May to be observed as Mother's Day in honor of her legacy. It has now become an event celebrated internationally. Her story was one of great tragedy, but also one of great courage. According to Wikipedia, she bore between 11 to 13 children. Of those, only four survived to adulthood because of measles, typhoid fever, and other diseases. The epidemic that was causing so many deaths during that time inspired her to open these Mother's Day work clubs. So before there even was a Mother's Day, there was a Mother's Day work club in several towns that would help moms improve sanitary conditions to fight off the various diseases and promote good health. In those days, they didn't have mechanisms for sanitizing water. They didn't have mechanisms for sanitizing milk, purifying milk. Uh, this was all done manually and was very dangerous if those bacterias weren't properly filtered. The centers also helped women to get medication and hire help for women who had such diseases as tuberculosis and were not able to take care of their own children. During the height of the Civil War, she was called upon to help with the many soldiers who became infected by the various diseases. And to show the type of integrity this woman had, she agreed to do it on the condition that the centers would remain neutral and accept both Union and Confederate soldiers. In other words, the North and South, the two enemies. After the war, she used some of those same facilities as places of reconciliation between North and South, North and South uh, forces and continued uh, her assistance to families uh, for this, 
same purposes she had started those centers for, which had posed a great risk on her own life because a lot of people were unhappy that they didn't want reconciliation. But if that wasn't enough, she took on a building project for a new Episcopal church in her town, and she served there as a superintendent as a Sunday, for a Sunday school for 25 years. What an amazing woman, right? But you know what's more amazing about Anne Jarvis is that she did not let her, her dire circumstances wear down and become indifferent to her calling. When I think of the words of the middle part of that anchor verse I chose, be firm in the faith, be strong, be courageous, Anne Reeves Jarvis certainly appeared, that, appeared to model that quite excellently. We know within our assembly, these past couple of years have not been easy. During the pandemic, there have been many challenges to deal with. It has been especially difficult for many of the women and, and some of the moms uh, who, who had, uh, uh, had to deal with uh, new challenges. We heard, prayed for, and journeyed with many who received a cancer diagnosis. Others have had difficult surgeries or crises in the, their families to deal with or had to go to the hospital under hazardous conditions to deliver their babies. Others have seen their health decline and their activities limited, I think especially of our seniors. Some are grieving precious loved ones and they have to do it in isolation. It's been very tough, but through it, I've been encouraged by the steadfastness of their faith and the courage they have shown in the face of their suffering. I trust God will use those experiences to build a more irrepressible faith in the years to come. Lastly, a faith that endures is perfected in love. The last part of the anchor verse says, let all you do be done in love. This sums up a large part of the message Paul is trying to get through to the Corinthian people that climaxes with chapter 13, which is that famous uh, love passage that is used often in weddings. I have to say, in contrast to the challenges we face during this pandemic, these last 15 months of our Zoom church has been a real blessing. It has helped us not only stay connected, but also to draw closer to one another and develop stronger bonds. I think when we're gonna reflect back on this time, we will have fond, fond memories of our Zoom church. And I think it's gonna provide a good foundation to build from in the future when we return to the building. There is no better outreach strategy than when the sum of its parts work together to support and love one another. Love is the heart of the Bible. To love one another completely, we must first love God. All love begins with God. To love him with our heart and our soul, our desires, our will, our motivations. It's also a love that is horizontal and includes all our actions, our words, and how we treat others. It's a love that governs how we use our powers, our wealth, and our resources. It's all encompassing. Everything we do should cry out to others that the Lord is my master. 
In conclusion, I want to leave you with two suggestions or applications, actually three. And the first being, consider using this 1 Corinthians 13, 14 as a guide for prayer. I found that as I meditated on this verse during my prep time, it was very helpful to me in organizing my thoughts for prayer. You think about it. It says, be watchful, right? Be watchful to not getting sucked in to the culture that I'm living by the spirit, not by the flesh. And be watchful for, for just uh, how Satan is working to, to distract me from that. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous, be strong. Let all you do be done in love. And that as we think of our actions, not only to, to uh, the love we have for God and the adoration we do uh, to him, but also how we love our brothers and sisters. I have found it helpful. I to start my day uh, as a, uh, I to start my day as a form of examen at the end of the day to make sure I am thinking biblically and rationally. Secondly, what can I think of doing today that help me will help me to better face times of trouble in the future? What kind of emergency toolkit do I need to consider? to be spiritually resilient in times of testing? Well, one thing is, uh, is scripture memory. And we know hearing from, from Gord often, I'm always encouraged by how he continues to talk about that. And, uh, and it's so important, especially when we uh, think of God's promises. There's a couple of verses in, the, in this uh, uh, letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Another one says, therefore, my beloved brothers, uh, be steadfast, immovable, abound, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, the, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Scripture knowledge. Uh, yesterday we had an apologetics training and there was a lot of information there, a lot of information that would help us to have more confidence in, in the faith that we have. Why should I trust the Bible? Why should I trust the letter of Acts? And, and Doug did an amazing explanation of that, pouring all kinds of facts that would allow us to be encouraged in, in our belief. And that's important when we're struggling with doubt, for example. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. And uh, Dave Brereton spoke of this a couple of weeks ago, an excellent message on how we need to look and remember the things that happened in the past where God worked in our lives. Kind of those, like those altars Abraham built. You know, he, he just, whenever God did something amazing in, in, in his life, he would remember it, he would build an altar. We have a lot of altars in our life and we don't necessarily have to do things like that to remember them, but it's important to remember them. Remember where God was faithful in your life. And so when you're going to be in the storm next time, you can draw on that, that, that history. And another one is invest in developing healthy relationships within the body of Christ. And of course, that's so important, right? 
uh, a quarter, a quarter through three is not easily broken. And um, we have a lot of acquaintance, we can have a lot of acquaintance, acquaintances in the body of Christ, but we also have to have deeper level friendships. You know, those type of friendships that you could be vulnerable with each other and encouraging one another, supporting one another, so that when in tough times, you can, you have somebody that you can draw from uh, to, to further support you. So all these are, are, are some examples, but I'm sure you can think of others and maybe later in our discussion time, uh, we can have others that would be willing to volunteer other ways uh, that they find uh, to be uh, spiritually resilient. And lastly, be prepared to step in when unforeseen situations happen in the lives of others. Now I talked about a toolkit, having a toolkit in your car. One of the tools we often have is boosting cables. And boosting cables can help us when we're in trouble, but they also can help others when they're in trouble, right? It's important that we also think for others. And as I mentioned, often we're not structured like a, a, a policeman task force to, uh, to be prepared for everything. And most people won't be. And that's where we we fill in the gap. Uh, we're not the um, you know like uh, we're not the healthcare workers, but we're the hope care workers. We're the ones that bring hope, and 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 we know that through this time of COVID, it's been a great opportunity to do that. Uh, people are are looking for hope in this very difficult time. Think of others that are more vulnerable in our society. I think of our seniors. Uh, again, this COVID situation has, has really um, uh, made it obvious that uh, our, our, the way we treat our seniors has been an indictment against us. It, it has been shameful and uh, we need to do a better job of it. And, you know, I always remember what Jim tells me. He says, you know, getting older is not for wimps. Uh, and I, I always remember that now that I've just, I've just turned 60. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I got to be prepared because it doesn't get easier getting older. Uh, as a matter of fact, it may get tougher. And so we have to be there for people who need our help in, in such situations. So anyway, I want to leave you with this and uh, I'll just pray to conclude and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, go into our uh, time of fellowship. Father, I want to thank you for this uh, privilege this morning of uh, gathering together as brothers and sisters. We thank you for uh, how your truth was expressed by the Holy Spirit uh, throughout the, the service. We thank you for our fellowship, Lord. We thank you for how you have helped us to be resilient during these uh, difficult times. Uh, that we've, in the last 15 months, we thank you for Zoom that's allowed us to stay connected. We pray, Lord, that as we go forward, as we forget what lies behind and strain forward towards the utmost call in Christ Jesus, that, Lord, you would provide us with the tools we are lacking. Help us, Lord, to, to, to think about um, how we can, can, can do all that we do in our life to bring glory to your name. And, and that we might be prepared to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.